Welcome to Thrive, your agency resource, the only podcast for creative, media, and technology leaders who are ready to dive deeper into conscious leadership and agency growth. I'm your host, Kelly Campbell. Thrive is brought to you by Accessibility, the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Join thousands of agencies that are already incorporating web inclusivity into their service offerings. Visit accessibility.com today. Welcome back to another episode of Thrive. On our last show, I spoke with Marco Pavicic about the neuroscience behind agency growth. Definitely let me know if you were able to check that out and how you liked that episode. I thought it was pretty fascinating. Today, though, I'm actually joined by Jason Debiak, who's the co-founder and chief creative officer at Paper Tiger. In full transparency, Jason and his brother Mark are actually creative agency clients of mine for, I don't know, almost about a year now or so. So today we're going to dive into his journey, evolution from co-founder to now chief creative officer. Jason, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really psyched to have this conversation with you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. And um, I'm excited to uh, ramble about a bunch of design stuff. <laughs> I'm excited to, to listen to you ramble and ask you fun questions. So Paper Tiger has a pretty interesting background. A, I think it's interesting that the two of you as brothers are co-founders. Usually it's you know partners that are maybe uh, business partners and partners in life, something like that. But to have two brothers, I think is pretty interesting. And your backgrounds in kind of the music industry, I think, are also really fascinating as uh, never having been in the agency world before, but having figured out a lot of things with that music industry background. So can you talk a little bit about that to start? And then we'll talk a little bit about your role. Yeah. You know, I always, I'm, I'm, I'm the younger of the two brothers. So I always, as a little kid, would just kind of follow my brother around and he started working in music and we were both creative and in different ways. He went to school for film. I went to just kind of punk rock college, which means I didn't, I didn't go anywhere. I just puzzled. And we worked in music for a while and, and, and it was great because it was, we were able to work with tons of different bands, you know, and I was able to jump from style to style or personality type to personality type, just working with some of the most creative people I've, I've ever met in my life. And we worked at a, a record label together. We did some really, really great things. But after a while, you realize people, well, actually it was like 2008, we went through a massive recession and people stopped buying music. They started stealing it. Well, I don't <laughs> want to say stealing it. They were borrowing it from Nectar and stuff. Um, and we both kind of looked at each other and we were like, we work really well together. We complement each other really well. I don't know that she figured it out. We have a really good relationship for all sorts of reasons. And so we still wanted to be creative with one another because we played off each other's strengths and, and, um, the idea of everything around us, you know, there's always something to design. There's always something, even the park you're walking in, like the sound, the, the way it's, it's designed because it's peaceful and serene and you see hear a babbling brook, that's designed. And so for us, we were like, well, what, what can we do? What can we just skim a little bit off the top and, and make a good living and, and, and be designers? And so we started this agency. Luckily, we had a lot of really cool clients in the music industry that we were able to start out with and, and did some really great publishing sites and, and band sites and MySpace pages. And we were just doing whatever we can get our hands on. and then sort of just landed here 15 years later. 
Well, here is a pretty cool place to land. I feel like you guys definitely have some of the most talented designers and content writers and just, it's like a little bit of a dream team in a way. I know that when you reached out to me, I don't know if it was Mark or you or both of you at the same time, but I saw the work and I was like, wow, the work doesn't say everything about how, what your leadership style would be, but the work was really stunning. And I was really intrigued and interested in working with you guys. And then I figured out along the way, very early on, kind of in our little discovery process, that the work was so good. The creative output was so strong because you were both very naturally conscious leaders. And you probably would never use that word or that phrase. Mm. But yeah, that made me really excited to work with you guys. Yeah, we've always had such a huge appreciation for the arts and artists and creative people. And, And honestly, anyone who's doing anything with us, I'm so like grateful for whoever walks through the door and is, is does something that like helps our business grow, even in, in the slightest. Uh, I want to give them everything. Then Mark always has to say, "No, no, no, no! It's not time for raises right now." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> but that thing looks so cool." And so it's, uh, yeah, it's you know, an, an appreciation for for what you do and a respect for others. You know, this is a journey that we're all in and together. I was kind of wanting to go into this this realm of your role changing mm. from co-founder and like practitioner and probably at some point I'm sure early on like the sole I was going to say lead designer but probably sole yeah. designer I'm assuming and then how that's evolved over these 15 years to mm. the fact that you had to change your title a few times and now as chief creative officer like what is that yeah. been like for you tough <laughs> But we, you know, it's, I'm in this constant state of trying to find someone who's better than, can do something better than what I can do. I never really was trained in design. I just did it and liked it, I guess, was good at it. And it was the sole designer for years until we hired our first designer who came in and he was somebody who had just a tremendous amount of experience and kind of just away with his ability to hint his detail. He's no longer with the company, but I learned from him as a designer. That idea of, I was probably the sole designer up until about eight years ago, maybe, and then was a designer alongside others. But I'd like to bring in people that just know way more than I do. And we brought in um, a designer. We got really lucky. We brought in a designer, hired him. He lived in Italy. His name is Mirko Santangelo, and he just blew us away. And once he started creating designs that were just out of my league, I felt this ability and comfort to be able to step out of it a little bit and provide guidance more than I, than I could design. And so having found that, that type of designer, I, I'd say we were lucky, but also we had, you know, I'd like to think it was cool designs that we were able to attract somebody like that, you know, who saw that and us was like, I want to be a part of this. So over the years, it's been, okay, now I've taken this chunk of thing off my plate, but somehow I'm still really busy. So then it was a matter of, all right, let me take this chunk of things off my plate. Now I'm really busy. And it just perpetually goes on like that. And it's been a natural growth. We've tried not to scale. We've tried to stay small so that way we can maintain our sanity and our lives. Still not but a tiny agency. I mean, let's, let's be real. There are tons of- I have no idea. <laughs> well, I mean- I've never worked for an agency. I guess, it is, I guess we're, we're, we've gotten bigger in the last couple of years. And I, I haven't really, it hasn't really hit me. 
that we have grown and it's it's been it's been awesome. Does it feel sort of sometimes like you you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my God, holy shit, I have like 20 some odd employees. Like I used to be the only designer here and it used to be Mark and I, and now I have all these. Yeah. <laughs> I used to like go and like barrel into Mark's office and be like, Hey Mark, I have an idea for the company. We should totally switch project management platforms. And he'd be like, okay. You know, and we would just do it. And now it's like, I have to really sit down and thoughtfully craft an idea out because I know how many people it will impact and the type of shit that might make in terms of profit and scaling and all that kind of all that kind of junk and and you know I can't just sit here and like really wish for something and then kind of dabble in it and then throw the idea to mark and he kind of implements it and we just are like all right let's screw this up and see what happens it's it's way more methodical now than that and and that is definitely where what gets me because that's that that is not part of my creative mind sitting down and like being like all right let me focus on this process task oh man it kills me but I know it can lead to another great hire that is going to take another huge chunk of responsibility off my plate so I can focus on other things. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, this idea of delegating and elevating, right? So mm-hmm. it's so hard. I mean, I experienced this as an agency owner myself who started as a, a creative and technologist. So like letting go and offloading some of the work to your employees who you've hired to do this role, this task, this job, how was that for you? Like, what were some of the challenges that you experienced with that process? I'd I'd say some of the biggest challenges have come from just the business itself. So we can hire great designers and design great things, but unless that design actually achieves something very substantial for what the client is trying to achieve, you know, or we can use our experience to say, all right, this needs to be done this way in order for them to hit their goals. Mm-hmm. Um, a designer, a lot of times will design because it's awesome looking. So from my perspective, that's been the biggest challenge is trying to teach that to designers and have them understand, hey, this you just gave me something that looks amazing, but <laughs> let's take three or four steps back here and give the client where I know what this is what they're going to this is said this is what they said they wanted and i know we're trying to push we're always trying to push we're always trying to give them something beyond what they've requested but let's find a middle ground here and having that conversation consistently with the designers is is it's a challenge because i want them to just do whatever the hell they want have fun but being that person and having this conversation is definitely a challenge Did you know that one out of five people in the U.S. is living with some form of disability? I'm proud to partner with Accessity as they work toward the mission of making the web accessible to everyone. It's time to prioritize inclusivity. Ensure that your own website and your client sites can be accessed by all and that they're ADA compliant. Head over to accessibly.com forward slash thrive to learn more about their agency partner program. Now, back to the show. And what about sort of the relinquishing of, I'll use the C word, relinquishing control over some of the things that you you wanted to either have a hand in or just be a little bit more hands-on with than, you know, letting letting go completely. I'm still working on that one. <laughs> I'm still working on that one. One of the things I've had to do is kind of starting this role, 
has been challenging because I've moved out of the, I was a creative director, if you will. And we promoted our designer, Mirko, who I was talking about before to creative director, which led me into this other place of kind of just like filling holes that existed on the design side and actually really not embracing the role. And so what I had to force myself to do is literally move myself from the situation. I took a two week sabbatical where I didn't touch or look at anything and had enough faith in my team at that point where we put so much training, so many standard operating procedures into place where it's like, okay, I'm going to come back to this. There are going to be problems. People have fucked up and, and project will, a couple of projects will be on fire, but now I can go back into it and slowly add my guidance and, and just embrace the role. And um, doing that has been amazing. It's a luxury though. Like the, the, the ability to just kind of take some time off like that and then come back to it is, is, is a luxury. And I'm, I'm really happy I was able to do that. Not everybody can, but there has to be a way to take a to stop and just be like, I'm not going to look at this for a while and look at every little detail, let people do what they need to do. Let them, let them succeed, let them figure stuff out and, and come back to it later and then provide your guidance to say, Hey, you know, Let's let's figure out how this cannot happen again in the future. Yeah. Or there's some things that you can do differently. Right. So let them succeed for sure. But in order for them to succeed, nine times out of ten, they're gonna need to fail at least once. Yeah. They're like I, I, I come in on a couple of projects where there's just there are massive missing holes of things that no one quite noticed needed to be done, whether it's a, a feature or a project, and it's a matter of sitting down and being like we could have lost a lot or this could have been a huge problem with the client later once we got close to launch where they'd be all right where's my wholesale section you know you're like what <laughs> you know everyone will kind of be looking at each other and so being able to catch those th- things early still is important but letting everyone know hey we, we, we didn't follow these steps properly or these are things that need to be we have to ask ourselves in order to get and the client's pissed off and let's figure out how to remedy that. There's a lot there that, that usually has to be addressed and, and, and failing is one of them. Yeah, for sure. So you took the sabbatical for two weeks, let things kind of catch fire if they were going to catch fire. Mm-hmm. You did it intentionally mm-hmm. knowing that you'd come back with like a little bit more of like a, from like a sage perspective, right? What other changes did you make? in order to kind of change your mindset about, I used to have this role that was very task oriented and now I'm sort of like the guide here. What other changes did you make other than a sabbatical? I don't really think of as a change. I think it's like a catalyst, but I'm sure that there were some changes that you made as well. We've, we've been fortunate to be able to hire really great team members who are, Mark and I are very much vocal about the, the idea of like, hey, get things off our plates. There are things that we need to do to grow this agency and we're in the weeds. And so hiring those, those individuals, you know, they, that have that in mind, being able to create meetings and do things that we don't necessarily need to be a part of being able to take the leadership on some tasks and be able to say, you know, I got this has been, has been huge. So in the hiring process, keeping that in mind and, and being transparent with that. 
So that way, when people come in, they know, hey, we need to get things off of Mark Adjacent's plate because this, the less they do, the, the more we're going to have, more opportunities we're going to have. So there I hear you saying that you were more clearly communicating your needs as leaders so that everybody knew, hey, a big goal for yeah. us to get more stuff off of our plates. That's a way better way of saying it. Yeah. That's, that's uh, awesome. I mean, most yeah. people do not do that. Yeah, a lot of times we just, I'll see business owners just being begrudgingly doing things and having and resenting employees or those kinds of things. And we, we were very apparent and we're very transparent with that. And, so, and that gives a lot of power to the, to the team and, and lets them say, hey, I have this idea, let's just do it, you know? And knowing that, you know, sometimes we'll run stuff by us, you know, hey, I have this idea for this thing. Sure. You know, sounds great. Do it. Go for it. And so having that created a lot of opportunity for me to be able to step away, del- you know, moving myself away from projects that I was micromanaging and saying, all right, we have a proper project manager on this now, let them worry about it because mm-hmm. that's what they do and that's what they like to do. And I don't, so let them do it. I, I think also like mining people's strengths and desires, you know, we have a couple of people that are in roles that they're really great at. And then when you find out from them, hey, I really love to do this thing, and it's kind of related to my role, and be like, all right, let's let's go all in on that and find opportunities for you to do that. And those are usually things that that, that come off our plate, and uh, that's that's always been really helpful. Yeah. Any other environmental changes that you've made, like in your physical space or anything like that? Oh yeah, definitely. I I changed where I my whole office. I moved uh, to a different location. I needed a different environment you know so i i positioned myself in a, in a different area of the office i redecorated it i sat down and i was like i sat down at the desk that one day and i was like okay this is i am now jason chief creative officer and i even bought some some clothes i bought some new black t-shirts you know, I, needed <laughs> I, a, I needed a fresh uh fresh batch you know felt good coming in this one's got a pocket um <laughs> really i've upgraded changing it out these days <laughs> yeah thank you and so Changing my where, where I work is, has been extremely helpful. And, and I also spend a lot more time out of the office because I do need to spend more time in my own head. And I can't just do that at my desk. So I spend a lot of time. I go for walks. We, we work in a, a beautiful town here in Ridgewood, New Jersey. And, and uh, I'm able to kind of just do a nice big walk over a couple of blocks and come back refreshed. And, and that to me is that's been huge. Actually, I, I've been reading a book called Daily Rituals. I forget the name of the author. I can Google it really fast while we're while we're talking here. It's amazing. It's an amazing book where he's done a great research into really influential creatives from the last couple of hundred years and talks about their daily rituals or you know what they've done on a daily basis in order to maintain, you know, what it is that they do. And I find that every single one of them goes for walks. That's just like, oh, okay. Whether it's Einstein or Voltaire or or Carl Jung or something like that. They go for these long walks. That's where they get their ideas. So I was like, mm-hmm. and so yeah. that to me, being out in nature and being out and and, and uh, out in the world is, is is another big thing that's that's helped. Yeah, and I think I mean that's a great a great note. If you're able to do that, if you're able to you know get out, I definitely started doing that in the very beginning of the pandemic, and I haven't stopped. And even though I'm not doing creative work the way that I used to, you know, with the agency it still helps the creative brain and problem yeah. solving and all of that. So yeah, super. Yeah. Super for me, it's the shift from one task to another, 
you know, just being like completely and totally neurodivergent. You know what I mean? I can't just sit here and stare at it and do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I need that change shift. You know, and sometimes I'll even like put my hoodie on. I'll come into the into the office a different person. That's also interesting too. I think that there are so many creatives who are neurodivergent and to be able to kind of really embrace that and say, okay, so if I know this about myself, if I know my brain works a little differently than most people's, how can I set myself up for success? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I right, think right. this like mindset shift, which I, you know, when we were having one of our coaching sessions and we were talking about the idea of changing the actual physical environment, yeah. um, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good experiment. So the, the, <laughs> the fact that it, it really change something for you almost like neurologically i'm a different person when i sit down at this desk and now i'm also no- recognizing that i'm going to sit down at the desk less like yeah. there's there's something really there i think yeah yeah and i got lucky i have a standing desk and it broke so i can only sit now so i have to get up and move around <laughs> in order to uh, before i get a new one so, so this is your piece of advice up. break your stand yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly only sit <laughs> I love it. Well, as we start to wrap up, I'm imagining that as you're going through this whole process of kind of defining and becoming the the chief creative officer, there's definitely some some lessons, some learnings that you've been experiencing over the course of this past few months or year, whatever it's been now. What would your, other than breaking your standing desk, what would be your best piece of advice for other creatives or practitioners who are owners who kind of find themselves in this phase of their agency? The biggest challenge for me has been getting out of those day-to-day little tasks, those little things like those entering emails and being on Slack and go, 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 and finding chunks of time to be focusing on the bigger picture. Done a lot of as much as I can, a lot of research and reading books. I'm reading a, a book uh, called Deep Focus by Cal Newport and a couple other books that are really just really drive home this idea of like, you need to set this time aside. But in order to do that, you're relinquishing time and energy from places where you normally are. And for me, that creates a lot of fear. It creates a lot of, oh, I'm missing out on everything, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to miss out on this conversation that I'm going to find a hole or something like that, that's going to cause a problem or or I'm not able to give my feedback, you know, on something that I think is important. So for me, it's like defining my fears, mm. understanding what those fears are going to be, and, and like picturing the worst case scenario. If I don't do this, what's going to happen? And that's part of the sabbatical I kind of took is like, all right, I'm not involved in these projects for two weeks. What happened? And looking at that and being like, all right, now these are things that are actually solvable. And if I can solve these problems, I can take more time off. Maybe I can take just time for myself as a, as a business owner and just go to, you know, some weird place and just lay, lay down for a while. Um, but defining my fears, what's the worst thing that could go wrong if you don't, you aren't involved in every aspect and you're not micromanaging. So really like outlining those details, creating standard operating procedures for the, for the team. So that way they're following the ways perhaps that you like to do, or, you know, that works catching those details, you know, and, and, and just really coming face to face with, with those fears and understanding them and, and, and understanding that you can, you can actually get through them. You can overcome them and, and then they're not going to be the end of your world, not be the end of your agency. Right. So it almost sounds like by defining the fears, you also took a lot of the, 
the power or weight that they had over you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, like nobody's, nobody's going to come to the, my office and try to kill me because I didn't do this thing. You know, it's, it's really, there's a lot there that, that you're going to uh, find when you do that kind of couple of deep dives yeah. and to what those fears are and, 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 and overcoming them is relatively easy once you realize that you can survive. Yeah. I know it might sound strange to people like the kind of like half joking analogy that you just mentioned, but I think it's really important that you just said that because this idea of this huge life-threatening anxiety inducing thing that might happen if we let go, it can feel like that sometimes, right? It can yeah. feel this yeah. irrational, like someone's going to come to the office and kill me if I like, I can't yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That's that's how it can manifest (laughs) in our brains. So I'm really glad that you actually voiced that because it can feel that big. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that other people have thoughts or or emotions that feel that big, right? But what you're talking about, which I think is actually brilliant, is defining that in order to remove the power that it has over. Absolutely. Yeah. My uh, my grandfather was was 45 years in AA, and he was a sponsor, and he would get these calls from his you know the sponsees like always panicking, you know, always in fear of what's going to happen or this, that, and the other thing. They'd call him in the middle of the night and they would be complaining and talking about whatever. And I remember he told me this story where he was on the phone with somebody and he was like, I want you to get up. I want you to look out the window. And they got up and looked out the window. And he was like, is there somebody outside with a baseball bat trying to kill you? They were like, no. He's like, okay, then you're fine. Then go to bed. Like, get off the phone with me. You're going to be okay. (laughs) And this idea to me, like, oh, he's kind of like stuck where it was like, you're going to be good. You know, things are going to be all right. You can you can face those fears and 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 realize it's not as bad as as you think it's going to be. If you yeah. Stop yeah. managing tasks at work. Yeah, and and I think the reason why it works, just from a trauma informed lens, is that what you're talking about is recognizing the reality of what's happening in your nervous system versus what you mm-hmm. perceive is happening. Right, like you perceive that there's a threat. But there is actually no threat. And once you have the recognition, oh, there yeah. is no real threat. The threat is actually my own anxiety, yeah. my own fear, whatever it is. If I name it, I bring it into the light. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I can see a little bit more clearly, a little bit more rationally. I love yeah. that. I, I didn't know yeah. our conversation was going to go this way, but <laughs> I'm glad it did. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Jason, thank you so much. I absolutely love yeah talking with you about this and uh, really your, your honesty and transparency. Thanks for having me. I'm always down to have these conversations. So hit me up non-podcast time. I'm always, it's, it's, it's always good to talk. You got it. Thank you, my friend. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you watch or listen. And a final note of gratitude to the official sponsor of Thrive, Accessibility the leading web accessibility solutions provider. Learn more about the win-win proposition and keep your clients' websites inclusive and compliant. Be sure to check out their partner program for your agency today at accessibility.com forward slash thrive.